Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the hump day edition of the yard. I hope you slept a little bit better last night. I hope you did because the Major League Baseball draft is over. We're going to talk extensively about that today and also kind of about what's next. There are a couple things that I want to say, though, before we kind of get too deep in the jug here uh, when it comes to the draft. I have read with great interest some comments on Facebook and social media, and I'm not going to be argumentative or sarcastic or condescending. I'm going to try to be educational as we can be today. And I love all of y'all to death, but some of y'all make my head hurt. I mean, I'm just going to lay it out there uh, just to be brutally honest here about that. Guys, every year, Every year, not this year, not last year, every year. And for, for those of you that maybe are kind of casual followers of, of college baseball, may, maybe you only watch it during the season. You know, Rafael Palmero and Will Clark came out after their junior years. Now, granted, they were first rounders, but the juniors get drafted at major programs every year. We are a major college baseball program. We recruit among the elite in this country every year. We are not going to have four-year baseball players at Mississippi State very often. A college baseball senior, with rare exception, is not a good thing. It's just not. And you say, but Steve, why do they go out after their junior year? Well, it's because they have leverage. They can get a bigger signing bonus. And I've read people say, well, I don't understand. Why don't they come back and improve their draft positioning? Well, they can. They may get picked sooner. It doesn't mean they're going to get paid better. But, Steve, that makes no sense. The slot value is this. The slot value is a guideline. It doesn't mean, okay, if I'm drafted here, I'm guaranteed to get X amount of dollars. I'll give you a good example. Jake Mangum. We all love Jake. We talked about this on the show. I think some people have forgotten now maybe that we've got a point of reference with this draft that just took place, maybe you'll hear it this time. Jake Mangum came back, became the SEC hits leader, went to Omaha back-to-back years. His signing bonus, despite the fact that he was drafted in the top ten rounds, was 20000 bucks. 20 But, Steve, he got drafted better, and that was all the talk then, and I tried to explain it then. People were like, yeah, but he came back. Look look how much better he did. He got drafted so much higher, and that's true, but he made basically the same amount of money. 
Not that Jake needs it, but the reality of it is he worked hard for it. He was entitled to it. But because he had no leverage as a senior, he couldn't just say, hey, well, you know, listen, if you don't give me what I want, I'll just go back to college. Well, you lose the ability to do that, which is why juniors come out. Once they're draft eligible, they get drafted, they go. This is like I have read some comments, and it's, you know, some of y'all make me want to take hostages. I just begin to think to myself, where, where have we been? How, how long have I been asleep? Did something change? And I read these things, and people are like, oh, my gosh, we're not going to have a team left. Do you not? We spent the better part of two months talking about this recruiting class. We've talked the better part of six weeks about this portal class that we're not done with. Of course we're going to have a team. You think we're going to just go pull kids out of stands? We're Mississippi State. Number six recruiting class in the country. And when they recalibrate that after all the kids signed, probably going to be number two or number three in the country when it comes to recruiting classes. But Steve, they're freshmen. Yeah, so was Jake Mangum. So was Justin Foscue, Jordan Westbrook, Rowdy Jordan, Tanner Allen. Elite players play. There's no time really for a lot of development these days. When, you, when you're at the level we are, you know, and, I, and all due respect to Coach Barry and those guys, this is not Southern Miss. You expect to win big every year up here. And so – I'm going to talk at length about some of this stuff today, but I, I just don't understand. It's like we have – I said I wasn't going to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. We have some fans that look for any reason to be miserable. Any. And that's not a Mississippi State problem. That's a you problem. It's our problem that you're a fan of us. But it's like we get out there and it's like, and, and oh, my gosh. It's like I, I get so tired of the whole fake expert thing. It drives me crazy. You know, people build up and you know some internet credibility, and they get out to, oh, well, there's this and there's that. You're wrong. It's as simple as that. You're wrong, and nobody's ever going to hold you accountable. You just kind of post these things, and people it's like, oh, I feel like you do. Well, you know, take a breath, buddy. Relax. The information that's being shared with you is incorrect. I just think to myself, sometimes I just want to go over there and just like every time somebody has like a silly question, just post a link to Gene's page, say, hey, subscribe here. I believe we probably have some of the most knowledgeable fans in the fan base subscribing at our place. And not just because of the fact that we're there to provide answers, but there are many people that have connections. I'll give you a good example. Somebody's like, uh, hey, you know, Brad Cumbest. He ought to come back. Listen, Brad absolutely shouldn't come back. He absolutely should not come back. Now, selfishly, there's some of our fans that want him to. I, I want what's best for Brad because here's the deal. If Brad gets what he wants by coming to Mississippi State, then Mississippi State gets what it wants. You can say, but Steve, we don't have him as a player. No, we don't. But what about that next kid on the recruiting trail? We can say, hey, look at Brad Cumbest. You know, he was a guy that signed a football scholarship and wanted to play both sports. He was a two-sport athlete. Now he's going pro. You know, Jackson Fristo is going to sign. And people are like, I don't understand. Why don't he come back next year? He can come back next year and, and, and be drafted even higher. And that's true. He does have some leverage. 
What if he comes back and he has another bad year? And then he's not drafted at all. And he's going to sign a free agent deal. You're going to hire him to come work at your place? You know, this is his time. Simple as that. This is his time. Didn't have a good year last year. He had a very promising freshman year. He hit the wall late, but the guy was a competitor. He gave us everything he had. This is his time to go, and it's different for every player. You know, T.A. wanted to go after 2020, didn't get drafted. First year playing outfield, got hurt, got banged up, hurt his hand and wrist out there at Long Beach State. Early in the year, you remember he got beamed in the leg and couldn't, couldn't run for about a week. He didn't get drafted. It was an abbreviated draft. He didn't get drafted, and he would have gone. And just think if it had been a 10-round draft that year and we lose Tanner Allen, you know, we're, now we're sitting here without an AFL championship thinking, I can't believe Ole Miss won one before we did. Guys get better. Over the course of their careers, guys tend to improve. But there are some situations, and I, I have Jackson Fristo in this, Jackson has to make hay while the sun is shining. It just didn't come together for him this year. And you know what? Based on what we're recruiting and what we're bringing in, chances of him being a weekend starter next year, pretty slim. So you have to take each individual situation and look at what's best for the player. And if you put the player's needs first when it comes to this draft thing, then Mississippi State benefits in the long run too. It may hurt us in the short term. But you can say, you know what? If you go to Mississippi State – you have a good chance to go play in Omaha, compete for a NAFL championship, and then go play pro baseball. Right? I think that's what we want, right? We want people to come here and be able to achieve their dreams. We want to be a part of their story. And that's, I think sometimes that we forget that. I'm all about the long play, not just the next play. I want to make that play too, but not at the expense of a young man's career. You know, some guys that, you know, are ultra talented, you know, that decide to come back, you know, I commend them because they are making a great personal sacrifice for the betterment of their college program. All that said, what happens if a guy just said, you know what, I'm going to come back, and then he gets hurt? And what if it's a very serious injury? And so instead of getting that money that would have kind of got him started in life, you know, now all of a sudden he's getting peanuts and he's damaged goods. I don't want anybody to be, able to be able to say that about us. Well, so you know what? Hey, here's the deal. Guys came to Mississippi State and got better. You know, JT Gann came here and got hurt. But you know what else? JT Gann still made more money by coming to school. It's a big part of things, man. It really, really is. It is a really, really big part of things. So we're going to move on from that. I don't, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Uh, let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I love Bulldog Burger Company. You will, too. If you haven't been by there recently, I suggest you go. You know, we've had some new items on the menu. You know, um, you know there's the, you know, the country fried steak burger. Really, really good. Uh, and I still like those Sloppy Joe sliders an awful lot, too. I encourage you to go by and check them out today if you haven't been in a while. Get the, the spring rolls as your appetizer. It's the best appetizer in Starkville proper. I will die on this hill. 
And I don't even think my meal is complete if I don't get the spring rolls. Like if, I, if that's not the starter, I don't even, you know, it's like, that's not, it's just not the same experience to me. And maybe that's why I can't finish that generous portion of the hamburger and fries they bring me. Sometimes I get the side side. Well, don't judge me too hard. But I like a good restaurant quality hamburger when I can get one. And you, you guys do too. Go find your own favorites. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive here in Star Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, and the newest one, Lake Harbor Drive there in the Richmond Flowood area. Be sure and go by and let them know. You heard about it on the Barnyard. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, let's talk draft. Let's talk about our current players in this segment of the show. We talked a little bit about this on Monday. So Landon Sims goes in the first round, the Arizona Diamondbacks. That's well established. His uh, signing bonus slot value, this is not to say that he'll get exactly this amount. He may get a little bit less, may get a little bit more. Slot value is $2.26 million. So Landon Sims is going to be in a really good position here. You talk about getting a head start at life, there you are. Landon's rehab is in, on, on track. He's doing great. A lot of people worried. Guy comes here, projected by many to be one of the best pitchers in college baseball, tears the UCL. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is the worst-case scenario. It's worked out. He's going to sign a pretty big check rehab and then uh, be ready to go later on but uh again very happy for him tanner logan tanner excuse me it'll be that's one thing too we got we're kind of getting through this you know with tanner allen gone and then tanner Leggett gone now logan tanner the the tongue twister that is the mississippi state baseball roster is going to be a little easier to navigate uh logan slot value 1.37 million so that's a nice chunk of change for him, too, to kind of get life started. Uh, a little bit deeper into this, uh, you know, we talked kind of at length about what to expect and who we thought would get drafted. There, there were some surprises, you know, that there were. And maybe not in the way we anticipated, if that makes sense. You know, I think that there were some guys – I think we probably saw the right guys drafted and maybe perhaps – not what we expected as far as when they would get drafted. So the third Bulldog drafted was Preston Johnson in the seventh round by the Baltimore Orioles. Now, I'll be honest with you, for much of the draft, I was hearing he was going to be a back end of the draft guy, which means, you know, rounds, you know, 15 to 20. Preston goes in the seventh round, and good for the kid. And I think deep down he wanted to go, but it was one of those situations, too, where it's like, you know what, I've got the best of both worlds. So if I don't get what I want in the draft, I can go back to Mississippi State, a place that I love. I could be the first guy to bullpen. I could be a starter. I can improve my, my value here. But this was really his time to go. And I, I'm, I'm confident, knowing Scott Foxhall and Chris Simonis the way that I do, I am sure they probably were very honest with Preston and said, hey, if you get the chance, and it's a good chance, where they're going to be in, a team's going to be invested in you, you probably need to take it. I don't know that for a fact, but just I know they're not going to have Preston Johnson walk away, you know, from being a top ten pick. I mean, that's just not who they are. They're not going to get on the phone and say, "Oh, well, if you don't get you know top five money, you got to, you got to bounce." And, and I don't again, I don't know what he's going to get, but slot value is right there at a quarter million dollars. Preston Johnson from an amazing family. I, his parents are outstanding. I, I do. I really think a lot of that family, I think a lot of our baseball parents, but uh, 
I remember seeing Preston Johnson's dad and, and most of the time his mom too out there after a ball game and uh, always, always, always ready to talk, always want to say hello. Just great South Mississippi folks. Couldn't be happier for them. And so, yeah, yeah Preston's going to sign. Casey Hunt drafted in the 12th round by the Pittsburgh Pirates. Now, of our seven – no, you know what? This irritates me too. MLB didn't fix this. Brad Compass was listed with no school. There's only a couple guys like that. Brad Compass went in the ninth round to the Colorado Rockies. Overjoyed for him, another great family. Kenny Compass looks like he could still play. But, um, you know, so Brad told me last summer, I mean, as soon as we get back, you know, he's getting ready to have his shoulder surgery and everything, and he's like, hey, my plan is I'm going to get the surgery, and then I'm going to stick to baseball this year and get drafted next summer. And you know what? Mission accomplished, Brad. Mission accomplished. Really proud for the kid. Comes here as a football player, leaves as a national champion baseball player, headed to pro baseball. What, what a great success story that is. And there were a lot of people in high school. You know, he, he had some pre-draft workout invitations out of high school. You know, the Cubs and some other school, other programs were talking to him. You know, so this is not like it's completely off the radar. I mean, Brad was a very accomplished high school player, too, and with his size and strength, he projected really well. So he goes in the ninth round. Brad is going to sign. Like, I've read some of these comments. Well, maybe, maybe he'll come. Brad's going to sign, and Brad should sign. You know, Brad loses his leverage next year. Could be like another Jake Mangum situation. You know, and Brad will probably get, you know, $150,000 to $200,000 as signing bonus. You know, I don't know for sure, you know, but I know that the fact that he has that year of leverage, they're not just going to be able to just say give him a take it or leave it offer. But, again, drafted in the, in the top ten rounds, usually when, when players are drafted in the top ten rounds, they sign, it's like 99% of the time. You know, people remember Kumar last year. And a few years ago, you remember Carter Stewart and JT Ginn. But the reality of it is the deal is traditionally done before the selection is made in the first 10 rounds. When you get out of that, it's a little different. There's a little more, uh, you know, play with all that stuff. But when, if a guy's drafted in the top 10 rounds. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. All right, Bulldog fans, our friends from Tecovis want to remind you that uh, it's festival season, it's concert season, it's sundress season. 
Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort, so no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand-new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and our friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tacovas. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges shipped right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. He is going to sign with rare exception. So those four will certainly sign. That brings us to, to Casey Hunt. The 350th pick in the draft, 12th round by the, the Pittsburgh Pirates. Now, Casey's situation, I think, is much different. Now, he is a four-year junior, and yes, he loses leverage. Now, so he may sign, but I've been told that he wants close to half a million dollars to sign. KC is a guy, too, though. I don't think KC has really shown what he can do on the college level. I think he is a guy that could benefit from coming back and putting himself in a situation where he um, – because he's an arm, you know, because like older, older sticks are not really attractive. Older pitchers are. So of the guys that we had drafted off the current roster, I think, and I'm not saying he is coming back, but the guy that's most likely to come back is Casey Hunt. Now, I've had some people tell me he's probably going to come back. We're, we're basically 24 hours into the negotiations, right? So there's going to be a lot of ebb and flow with this. I would say right now, I would say 60-40, he's back. 60-40. Can't count him, but I think there is a chance that he's, he's back. Of the guys drafted again, I think he's the only one that is back. I think everybody else will sign. Jackson Fristo. And I understand Jackson, either he has signed or is about to sign or is coming to terms. Uh, Jackson Fristo, a, a four-year sophomore, um, I don't know if that's accurate because you know, he was here as a true freshman, you know, back in 2021. So sometimes I don't, I don't go back and double check behind these guys. But uh, Jackson Fristo drafted by the Yankees, basically 20 picks after KC Hunt. And I, again, I think it's Jackson's time. I think Jackson needs to go because, again, it becomes an alarming trend if he goes out there next year and kind of duplicates what he does this year. He won't be drafted next year if that's the case. He'll be signing an undrafted free agent for about 2500 bucks and enough gas to get to camp. You know, that, that's kind of where we are. And it never really came together for Jackson this year, and I think some of it too. A lot of it, I think, is between his ears. I mean, Jackson's still a relatively young guy, and um, you know, I think it's one of those deals with Jackson too where he didn't win a spot in a starting rotation this year. Ended up being a midweek guy, then being a reliever, and then we put him in some high leverage situations. Sometimes he came through, sometimes he didn't. I can tell you 
there were multiple times last year after a ball game when Jackson had had a tough outing and I'd go talk to him. And I can't begin to tell you how dejected the guy was because he wanted it so bad. Not, not because he was trying to boost his draft stock, but because he's a competitor and he wanted to win for he and his teammates. And I remember after an LSU ball game when he had that kid struck out to end the game, you know what I'm talking about, and it was a strike, according to all of us and TrackMan. It was a strike. We didn't get a call there. It all began to kind of unravel for him there. You know, we had the big moment at Arkansas, I think one of the biggest pitching performances of his career. But really inconsistent last year. I am happy for Jackson. And, again, this is a situation, you know, guy comes in, Two years later, he's off to the pros. So you benefit from coming to school here, you know. And then Cameron James in the 16th round, much later than I expected. Uh, I didn't think he would go, you know, maybe not top 10. I thought maybe around 10, maybe 12. He did get some calls uh, prior to the 10th round uh, from some teams. A lot of discussion about that, you know, and and the next thing you know, it's things kind of linger on a little bit and you get into the second half of the draft there's a lot more influence from area scouts and things like that and so he ends up going in the 16th round of the Tampa Bay Rays which in many respects might be well well it may not be the signing bonus he wanted it may be the program he needed the Rays with an incredible developmental program in their minor league system Cameron is a guy too that you know the thing that I look about Cameron's a very good athlete the swing is a little stiff at times. You know, he, he kind of swings on the same plane. Like, you look at, like, a good comparison. You look at T.A. and Rowdy, kind of how loose their swings are, you know, so they can kind of adjust. I think Cam is a guy at times kind of struggles to, you know, on to barrel up a breaking ball. I think a lot of that's because he kind of swings on the same plane. I, and I think some of that is correctable. Uh, and I think they'll fix some of that in the minors. But, you know, Cam's a guy, too, and we mentioned this on the show, he kind of quietly had a better year than people gave him credit for. The problem was he didn't come through in some clutch situations. When you, when you had T.A. and Rowdy to kind of pick you up, you know, and you know, LT, of course, had a big year last year in 2021 too. You know, you can kind of ride the wave with them. But, of course, this year more of the burden fell to the shoulders of Luke Hancock, Cameron James, Logan Tanner. They didn't handle it real well. That's just kind of being honest. I think they'll tell you themselves. They, they, they did, there was a lot of pressure this year, and our leadership – didn't really handle as well as it should have. That said, Cameron James increased his batting average by 40 points this year from 263 to 303. He reduced strikeouts from 60 to 47. And his power numbers, people say, well, his power numbers were down. Guys, through the regular season, same number of home runs. The difference is he just played with 13 less games. People forget he was the most outstanding player at the Starkville Regional. He had a couple tanks then, hit the big tank off lighter. You know, and so he didn't have the benefit of postseason this year. And so you look at those numbers, you know, RBI numbers are down because, you know, we had him hitting higher in the order and there wasn't, you know, you didn't have T.A. and Rowdy getting on in front of him. So we didn't always get to see pitchers in the stretch. And so, you know, listen, could Cameron have been better? Absolutely. But some of the criticism of him I think is unwarranted. And I think, again, it's just one of those things where it's not one person's fault that things didn't go well for us this year. I think Cameron's a guy that gave us what he had. And we just didn't have enough clutch – hitting from him and I just not just him I mean you know it goes down to Luke and LT too you know uh, and speaking of Luke undrafted he does have a year of eligibility left so he can elect to come back play another year 
and then see how things go next year. Now, or he could go sign an undrafted free agent deal. He could. They're not going to give him anything, but he could go do it. I know that there is a, a movement to encourage Luke to stay, come back, give another shot, and uh, could be the catcher. And, and listen, let's be honest, that's the only position that I think that he can go play professionally. He was signed as a catcher, you know, when he had the, the arm issue and he had surgery, took a little while, and then, you know, we DH him for a while. And so he's a catcher that's had some arm trouble, and I think maybe he needs a full year behind the plate to kind of show, yeah, I can do this. And so I think that's important. So I expect him back. I'm not ready to say he's definitely going to be back, but I do expect him back. Is all these people – let me just mute that. Um, you know, we need him back. I mean, this is a guy, too, I think can be an interesting piece for us, too. I mean, you know, it's like whether it be catcher, DH, or whatever, and sure you bring him back and let him catch. And, of course, you let maybe Ross Highfield will catch in the midweek and maybe one game on the weekend. But you bring Luke back as your primary catcher, get Ross's feet wet a little bit, and then let him take over full-time next year. Yeah, you know, provided, you know, the, the bat's there. But uh, the reality of it is, is that we had a good draft – of our guys, but one notable exception too, R.J. Yeager. This is where this COVID year grad transfer thing really hurt some kids. It's nobody's fault. It's just kind of the way the math works. R.J. Yeager, of course, played four years at Mercer, had the COVID year available to him, comes here, has a great year, all SEC year. Once they even made a couple All-America teams. Goes undrafted. Signed a free agent deal with the Cardinals. Age works against him. Now, now granted, R.J. doesn't have the greatest range as a defender. Guy's a good player. If he's a year younger, he's probably drafted. Two years younger, absolutely drafted. But that's the risk you run. You look at Scotty DeBrule. You know, Scotty was never he didn't really project well as a pro player, but you thought somebody would take a flyer on him playing independent league baseball. Same situation, an older guy that played four years of college, then he gets to the Power Five level, has a really good year, and R.J. certainly had a better year than Scotty did from offensive numbers. Then they go undrafted. And, you know, for all of us, it's like, hey, this, you know, this, this doesn't make any sense. I thought for certain somebody would take a shot with R.J. late. And it may have been a situation, too, where we're down at the end and he's a senior, so, you know, they're going to offer him peanuts. He may have just said, hey, listen, I'd rather pick – my opportunity. And what I mean by that, it is kind of like, you know, like people say you don't want to get drafted in the last round of the NFL because the bonus structure is about the same it would be as a, as a free agent deal that you can kind of pick your opportunity. That may have been the case. I had some a text back and forth with RJ a little bit last night. I didn't get into all of that. But uh, disappointed for him. But knowing what we know about him, you know that he's going to go out there and do everything he can to absolutely kill it and make everybody look like idiots. But age is a real factor in the draft. It's not, you know, like look at Tim Elko, right? I mean, Tim Elko is a guy that will absolutely hurt you, man, and he goes in the 10th round. You know, and you say, well, Steve, RJ's in a similar situation. That's true, but Tim has done it over a longer period of time in a very more a difficult conference, right? Uh, you know, his, but his age hurts him. People are like kind of scratching their heads. I don't understand. Why did Elko go higher? What, you know, people could draft him later and pay him less. And, again, he's a stationary defender with a, bit, with a high strikeout rate. And so there's a lot of that that goes to it. It's not just as simple as, okay, this is guy was the best player 
if this school won an Eiffel Championship. It's just not that simple. So I share that with you because I think it's important that you guys kind of understand. It is a very, very complicated and convoluted process. Uh, so, you know, where do we go from here? Well, probably got to have a discussion with Brandon Smith. You know, Brandon didn't get drafted, and um, he was the guy, too. He could sign an undrafted free agent deal. Uh, can't go in the portal. I guess he could now if he's a grad. Um, we'd like to have Brandon back, though. And I don't know that Brandon wouldn't want to come back. That's another piece in the bullpen for us. You know, he, you know of course, he pitched him on the weekends. You know, maybe he's a midweek guy. Maybe he is a get-you-through-the-order guy on the weekends. But um, you know, you'd like to have him back. You would. He's been up and down at times, but uh, I'm a Brandon Smith fan, especially when that, when that guy's getting that – when he's got that slider, spotting that thing up down in his own, that guy's almost unhittable. You're going to make you beat the ball on the ground. Parker Sinnett, also undrafted. You know, and he's a guy, too, that, you know, really inconsistent. He's, you know, he's had the injury. And, you know, what happens, too, you look at what happens over the totality of your career. We talk about how you know, nobody is really worried about arm trouble if you're Landon Sims. You know, because you've been one of the most dominant pitchers in the country. A lot of times guys come back better. They don't always do. A lot of guys come back better. But there are other guys out there, if there are already questions about your ability, there's already questions about your willingness to compete, and then you're kind of hurt on top of it, it's like then all of a sudden it becomes a bigger deal. Does that make sense? If you've checked all the other boxes and then you've torn your UCL because they've made such advancements to Tommy John surgery, nobody really bats an eye at that anymore. But if you're one of those people that, you know, you're a marginal prospect and, and then on top of that you've had some injury issues, that's going to be a reason for people not to take you. You've ever done anything stupid, you know what I'm saying? It's like you don't, you don't want to give people an excuse not to draft you. And that happens in sports every single year. There's always somebody that does something. You know, it's just like I heard a guy say one time too, because I would like the Fred Smoot thing. Remember when Fred was at a party and he was the first round town and dropped the second round and – you know, people forget Fred was at a party that got busted and they found a joint under a couch. It wasn't Fred's. But because he was at this party where marijuana was being smoked, and of course this is, you know, late 90s, lots changed since then, that goes in his, in his file. It's like, oh, well, he was at this party where weed was smoking. We can't take a chance on that guy. I mean, nowadays, my goodness, I think a lot of players do smoke. But all that said, there's a lot that you can do to hurt yourself as a prospect, especially if you're a guy that's just a good prospect. If you're an elite prospect or a great prospect, I mean, people are going to be patient with you because they say, you know what, this investment in this arm surgery and rehabilitation is going to be fine for us. It's going to pay off. We're here to win ball games. But if there's so many people out there like you that are kind of similarly situated, they don't have character issues, don't have injury issues, they're the ones that are going to get drafted. That's just how it works. So we'll see what happens. But, again, congratulations to all the Bulldogs that were drafted. Best of luck to RJ and uh, to Luke and Brandon, of course, as they consider their next move. You know, we, again, we hope they're back here at Mississippi State. Uh, I believe we're going to be a good team next year. I believe we're going to be a really good team next year. And I'm, I'm even more encouraged now that the draft is over because of the fact that we've uh, gotten so many of our signees now to campus and uh, going to bring this good, great class to Starkville. And that's going to be uh, coming up a little bit later in the show. Let's take some time now to uh, thank our friends at PrimeShrimp.com. We'll give, uh, let's give Chris Lamonis our Prime Shrimp Player of the Day. Chris and his staff a great job, kind of navigating through all this and helping our kids develop. And uh, you know, you know what's it mean? You know, you got 
And what's interesting, too, is uh, I guess Ole Miss had seven players drafted and won an AFL championship. We finished last in the West and had seven players drafted. It goes to show you how thin the margin is, right? We both had talent. They got hot late. You know, they had a difficult, disappointing year. People forget after the Ole Miss series, we felt pretty confident we were going to make the tournament. They were going to end up making a coaching change. We end up last in the West, and they won an AFL championship. Baseball is a long season. So, Chris, thanks to you and your staff. Again, primeshrimp.com. Visit them at primeshrimp.com. This promotion ends in 10, 11 days, end of the month. Go to primeshrimp.com. Use promo code BONEYARD. Save 20 bucks off your order. Four great flavors to choose from. I love it. That's the people of the day. I said, Steve, I'm trusting you. I'm going to order this. And then they came back later and said, you're exactly right. Great shrimp at a great price, and it's ready to cook. That's, the, that's to me, that's the added benefit, right? I get it from Louisiana, shipped direct to my door in a very, very convenient pouch. I put on a pot of water to boil, and then I drop those shrimp in 10 minutes later and ready to eat. What could be easier, whether you're topping a salad or, or making a gumbo? I don't know what you're doing, but the, the reality of it is you can get great quality shrimp Send direct to your door without the cleanup and prep associated with store-bought shrimp. Again, that's primeshrimp.com, promo code BONEYARD to save 20 bucks off your first order. Time for today's top 10 list brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. Blair Chandler is my friend, your friend. He is a friend in the industry. That's the mortgage lending industry. It's a complicated process, man. You need to have somebody that knows the ins and outs of the process. A lot of people out there want your business. Bert Chandler is the guy that's ready to earn it for you. 21 years in the industry, top 1% close ratio in the country back-to-back years. That's this year and last year, not 20 years ago. The guy's getting it done. You stick with the winners, that's Blair Chandler. So whether you're looking to refinance your home or perhaps uh, get some cash out to do some home improvements or perhaps uh, – you know, the dream of home ownership has remained elusive. Maybe you've been turned down before. Maybe it's time to give it another try. With a guy that's got a proven track record of getting atypical and non-conforming borrowers to the table. How about that? Mentioned to Blair you heard about him on the barnyard. He's going to pay for your appraisal. It's a $500 value. Here's his cell number. Not his office number. Not his receptionist number. Not his voicemail number. This is his personal cell number. So call or text today, 601-500-2344. Again, 601-500-2344. Or just go to closeofblair.com. And uh, again, stick with the winners. Stick with Blair Chandler. All right, today's top 10 list. We're going back to the 80s. I know you love that. We're going to some melodic rock radio metal i guess you could say it's i struggle to call this band metal even though they had the metal look because they're a little bit softer and they're not poison though they may look a little bit like them they didn't wear quite as much makeup but it's a band called europe you're familiar with europe we're gonna do them today how about that yeah you weren't expecting that europe was a good band man they're still a good band they still tour i mean joey tempest is still around and you guys remember they were on the geico commercial here a few years ago and they kind of had this you know in the second life, you know, people are like, oh, I would love to see Europe. They started touring again. Somewhat of a reunion. They're, they're still making music. So we're going to talk about some of that today. But, of course, you know, the bulk of our top ten list is going to come from what was released in the 80s. And Joey Tempest, the singer, I mean, it was a good-looking dude, right? I mean, the guy had amazing hair. Tall, attractive, you know, 
He was made for MTV. The guy could really sing, too. Big range for him, but not operatic. You know, there were some guys, too, like you know Jim Gillette, many other people, uh, Jeff Tate. You know, they were really good in the lower register, but they also were kind of operatic. There was a time there that Jeff uh, Tate from Queensryche was like head of the Seattle Opera Council. That's, I mean, that's how much more operatic can you get? Joey had the, had the big voice, but didn't have the operatic qualities. And so I think in many ways that made them a little easier for people to accept. I think there's some people that hitting those big notes are like, ah, you know. So this is kind of a middle-of-the-road Sebastian Bach. He doesn't have the grit and doesn't have that really big voice, but he's kind of in the middle there. Better singer than Brett Michaels. Most are. But uh, here we are, the Europe Top Ten list. Number ten, this is a single that was released uh, here in recent years. Really good song, too. Not quite as what, what it was in the 80s. Obviously, everybody's a little bit older. Key Marcello, who was an incredible guitar player, no longer with the band. This is a song called Days of Rock and Roll. Really like this one a lot. And again, it's later in the catalogs. It's probably a song you're unfamiliar with. I encourage you to check it out. Number nine, this one goes back, man. This one goes back back to the sweet spot. It's a song called More Than Meets the Eye. And uh, off their fourth or fifth album, let me double check this. I believe it is their fourth album. But let's double check that. I think that's on Out of This World, which is the fourth album. And uh, if, if, if the internet will work for us here. Yeah, so yeah, that's off the, uh, off the Out of This World album, which was the follow-up to the Final Countdown album. So they had the self-titled album that went first on a minor label, then Wings of Tomorrow, which really kind of got them going. And then Final Countdown was the big breakthrough for them when they kind of broke through in America. But more than meets the eye from the follow-up to the Final Countdown album, out of this world that was released in 1988, just before music began to really change. We probably got into 1990, and then towards the tail end of 90, you know, Sound Shop and those bands uh, began to kind of change, right? And next thing you know, you get there, and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's bands called Pearl Jam and Nirvana showing up on the list there. So... Again, pretty good song here. More Than Meets the Eye. That's your number nine song. Number seven song on our list. It's, again, maybe one that you're not quite as familiar with. But one I think you'll dig, too. It's off the Prisoners in Paradise album, which was released in 1991. Not the self-titled the album cover, whatever it is. I, can, I always That always bothers me. It's not the title track of this album. Why do I always want to make that something that it's not? It's not the title track of the album, Prisoners in Paradise. But it's a great song called Halfway to Heaven. I really dig the guitar on this. And uh, uh, Jim Valance, Jimmy Valance, who worked with uh, Brian Adams for years and years and years, helped write this song. Halfway to Heaven, number eight. Number seven. This is one of these songs, too, that uh, it, it kind of has a rocky title, but it's really more about relationships of a positive variety. It's a song called Let the Good Times Rock. Maybe you're familiar with that one. It's a little bit of a deeper track on the uh, Out of This World album, which is one of those albums, too, that I, I don't know that got enough, um, enough notoriety. Because I think a lot of people were like, ah, you know, I mean, how, how do they capitalize you know, on, on the Final Countdown. You know, Final Countdown was like a you know, top 10 album. It was incredible. 
absolutely incredible how many records they sold. Let's see if we can find that number. But uh, and so a lot of people were excited about you know the kind of the follow up here. And uh, it came out, and I thought the production value on the follow up was outstanding. I don't know that it got um, again maybe the the notoriety that it deserved. But it's interesting, too. I mean, you know, of course, you had, you had the benefit of MTV. You know, the Final Countdown sold over 6 million copies. And even by those standards, was big numbers. And nowadays, it's about streams and all that kind of stuff because, you know, nobody's really committed to bands anymore. But the Out of This World album, the follow-up, just over 1.5 million. So, like, 25%. And then after that, Europe kind of fell off a little bit. And I think a lot of it's because they figured out that maybe they're a flash in the pan. But uh, I think the Out of This World album maybe from start to finish is actually better than the final countdown album and you're like oh steve go listen to it listen to it with an open mind so let the good times rock your number seven song number six a song that was originally on the debut album europe and then it came back um as a re-release on the wings of tomorrow no i guess that's not true it came back on out of this world so from the the self-titled album it's open your heart I'm wrong about that too. Its, de- it came, its debut was on the Wings of Tomorrow. I, I've confused myself here. Originally released in '84 on the Wings of Tomorrow album, and then re-released as part of the Out of This World album. Re-engineered, a couple lyrics changed, but uh, very similar. I'm hoping I can make it through this list. It's like I, I, I can I can't read my notes. My memory is failing me because I'm from the 1900s. I'm getting old. All right. So now that we're through, open your heart, which was a great song. Didn't get the airplay maybe that it deserved initially. They re-released it, and, and they were kind of riding the wave a little bit. But I think we would all agree that the next five songs are the best Europe songs. I think that's probably without question. Much of that because you probably don't know more Europe songs than these top five, right? If you were a casual fan of uh, the hair metal generation, maybe you don't know anymore. If they didn't play it on MTV, you might have never heard it. Number five, they had a huge hit with this. It's weird, too, because they're, you know, they're from Europe. It's a song called Cherokee. That great drum line in the beginning. It's fabulous. It talks about the Trail of Tears. It's kind of about American history in many respects. I just wonder where, you know, where, where they got that from. It's a great song. The video is interesting. Number four, this was filmed at a hard rock, I think, in Stockholm, Sweden. I think that's right. It filmed the video. The video is kind of entertaining. But it's Rock the Night, and it was, uh, that was a big single for them, too. I think a lot of people said, okay, there's maybe a little something to these guys here. They've got the look. They've got the image. And, again, Key Marcello is an underappreciated guitarist from the 80s. I mean, that guy could really, really shred. So Rock the Night, number four. Number three, and maybe many of your favorite Europe song, you probably should have, would have said this is Steve. It should be one or two. It's not for me. It's my show. It's my list. You can have your own show and your own list. You'd, you'd be wrong. But Carrie is number three. Now, this is in the age of the power ballad. This is one of the better power ballads. Carrie is phenomenal. The vocal is great. The composition is great. Because, like, a lot of times, too, there's a lot of that. It's part of this. It's, it's just absolutely insanity. But Europe made this song sound great there were a lot of bands back then you could tell they were just kind of rockers pretending to be sensitive because that was the trend in music this song to me has a little more authenticity to it 
I think that's a big, big part of it. They wrote the song. They're talented enough to work it out in this format. And uh, I love it. You guys will too, Carrie, number three. Number two, and there are some days this is my favorite Europe song, and if I'm being honest, if I didn't think you guys would uh, really get upset, it would be number one. I think I could make a case for this being the best Europe song. I just know that it would fall on deaf ears because I know you guys know what number one is going to be. It's a song superstitious. I love the harmonies on this. I love the percussion on this. It's not a real technical song. It is very catchy. It is a great, great, basically a love song, kind of an up-tempo love song. You know, keep on walking that road and I'll follow. Keep on calling my name. You know I'll be there. And and if the mirror should break, it's easy to take because deep down I know that you care because I'm not superstitious. It is a great, great, great song. I think this is Joey's shining moment as a vocalist. And again, those harmonies in that chorus. Well, that's the thing in the 80s. We had big hair. We had the big chorus. I miss that in music, to be quite honest with you. Things today sometimes are kind of bland. I like the big chorus. Glad when people bring it back. They're like, oh, that's kind of an 80s-style thing. That's just a cool way to do it. You need the big chorus. And you've got that with Superstitious. Number one, what else could it be? It's a final countdown. And everybody knows, everybody in the back of their mind, you know that as soon as it says it's the final countdown, you're like, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Everybody knows it. College and high school bands played it. As I mentioned, it's been on a Geico commercial. Like, it's crazy what's happened with this song. Everybody knows it. And like when Ian, my youngest, was a little kid, this was his favorite song. Because it was on some video game that he played. I think it was uh, Saints Row or whatever. But the final countdown was always on, like whenever they got a chance to pick. So everybody loved that song. Everybody knows that song. It is clearly the Europe song. And so I guess in some ways, too, maybe uh, Europe kind of got lost in our top ten list. But I think it's important that uh, we honor those guys. Very good contribution to 80s rock back then. Again, I I struggle to call them metal. I think White Lion is more metal than, than Europe even though Key Marcello is a phenomenal guitar player, just like Vita Brada, I just think Europe was really kind of made more for pop. So it's kind of pop rock. It's kind of like, po- like, it's, it's kind of like Poison, except for Europe didn't take themselves too seriously. Does that make sense? Like Europe kind of knew that, hey, we're, we're pop rock radio. Poison didn't know that. Poison thought they were Guns N' Roses. And many of you are like listening to this like, Steve, come on. No, I'm telling the truth and you know it. Maybe you can't admit it, but it's true. But uh, I do like Europe. I thought they had an interesting lane in the 80s music scene. Uh, and again, glad they're still touring again. That means that kids today can go out there and see and sing along to the final countdown. If you have ideas for the top 10 list, reach out and let me know. Better yet, contact Roy on Twitter at Dogmatic67. That's D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C-6-7. Follow him on Spotify as well, and you can keep up with all our great lists. If, you, and if you're missing a list, hit us up. We're happy to find it for you. It may take us a little while. We're busy, guys. Be like, hey, Steve, what about this? When people ask me, I'll just go try to find the list and give it to you. But, uh, you know, who thought we still had Europe left in the chamber, right? That's back in the wine cellar, man. You never know what I'm going to dig out out there. So you never know what's going to be coming on Friday. But if you have ideas, please let us know. We're happy to do them. It may take us a little while, but we'll get around to them. That's a top 10 list is always brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by your friends at Campus Bookmart. Campus Bookmart, a Starkvillian institution 
I love the new bully shop. You need to go by and check it out yourself when you're in town and go see the lovely, talented Susie, Miss Kathy Brown, Miss Pam Manyard, the whole crew there will treat you like family because in their minds you are family. Great people doing a great job for a great fan base. The latest in Mississippi State merch right there. Available just off of campus. Backside of campus, very easy to get to, even on game day. If you can't make it to town, let me encourage you to visit them courtesy of Al Gore's internet at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any orders less than $50, absolutely incomplete. And listen, it's July 20th, about six weeks or so. We're going to be getting ready to play a little football. How about that? How about that? So go ahead and start picking out those game day outfits. Order yourself something new. Mom, dad wants a shirt. He doesn't want to tell you. You know, he spends too much money already. He wants a shirt, or maybe he doesn't spend enough. Maybe he never buys himself anything. Maybe that's where you come in. Take care of yourself, the kids. Get some new Mississippi State merch, and uh, show up on game day. We're looking fresh. Campusbookmart.net. Okay, let's talk about this uh, recruiting class. Now, it's, uh, it is amazing to think about what has happened over the course of the last three days as it relates to Mississippi State's recruiting class. Now, we have known – and have discussed on this show regularly that Jet Williams is going to be a first-rounder. There was never any question about it. He was drafted in the first round. He is going to sign a pro contract. Signing bonus probably around $4 million. Outside of that, Mississippi State has done exceptionally well. And this, again, goes back to my opening comments. There are a lot of people out there that have a lot to say that don't have a lot of facts. This signing class is phenomenal. And we're going to bring it to campus. And one of the best things about it is many of these guys are already on campus. So they've had the the better part of two weeks to hang around each other. So they're not just committed to Mississippi State. They're committed to each other. And Ross Highfield and many others have kind of been leading the charge. Let's all stick together. Let's go win another natty. Let's go do something special together. That has benefited your baseball program more than I can possibly explain. Ross Highfield already emerging as a leader among this group. Canceled all his pre-draft workouts, didn't go to the combine, told teams, don't draft me, I'm going to school. And then he gets to school and he's like, hey, you're my guys. Let's stick together. And Jet Williams didn't come to campus because everybody knew he was going to be drafted. The rest of the guys did. And so it's important to kind of look at this and kind of understand how significant this is. So here are some names, of course, that we were fearful when it came to the draft. Dakota Jordan being one of them. Now, do you remember Dakota Jordan, initially a baseball commitment, got the football offer, jumped on that. Then there was some discussion that he would sign the football scholarship and then play both sports. Elected late in the process to say, you know what, I'm going to go baseball only. Also, Mississippi State, had they signed him to a football scholarship and he had been drafted, they could have lost that scholarship for 2022. So we would have not had a player, whether they be on the field or not, available to us. So Dakota now, baseball only. This is a guy that went to the MLB Combine. He he was kind of reluctant down the stretch, didn't do a lot of pre-draft workouts. He canceled all that stuff. Did go to the Combine, had a pretty good week out there, and then we were kind of concerned because it has been so back and forth with this kid 
You know, I go back to around February, March, a lot of people were telling me he really wants to sign. He really wants to sign a pro contract. And then as it got a little bit later, it was like, you know what? He wants to do the baseball only thing. He wants to go to Mississippi State, play for two to three years, and have an opportunity to go pro then. When I interviewed him, he shared with me, you know, it's like, am I ready to go do life as an adult? Am I ready to start paying bills? Am I ready to start – you know, cleaning my own house, doing my own laundry, and that kind of stuff. And, and, and to be fair, he was very honest about it. He goes, you know, I don't know that I'm ready for that. This is a young guy that probably needs to mature a little bit. So great place for him to do it in college. Got a good support system around him. Because one of the things, like, and Jake Mangum has told me this before, too, it's such a different deal in the minors. You know, when you're in college, you're around your buddies all the time. You're all going to head together. You're all going to eat together. You're going to class together. You're going out together. In the minors, it's not like that. You spend a lot of time to yourself watching Netflix in your hotel room. You know, that's just kind of what happens. I mean, guys just aren't together as much. There's not that same level of esprit de corps. Of course, on game day, you get out there and you want to compete and do a good job. But it's a different dynamic. And I think there are a lot of young people that want to experience that. I think Dakota Jordan's one of them. This is a guy, too, that a lot of people expected him to be drafted in the top ten rounds. And people say, well, maybe he's not as good as we thought. That's not how it works. Let's say, for an example, Steve Robertson is a five-tool shortstop from the state of Mississippi. Signed with Mississippi State. Well, I mean, who else would you sign with, right? So let's say the Boston Red Sox call and say, hey, Steve, we'd like to take you in the first round. We're prepared to offer you $2 million. Will you take it? Well, then I've got a decision. I was like, well, you know, guys, I've grown up a Bulldog fan. I've always dreamed of playing a duty noble field and going to Omaha and winning the College World Series. I'm going to need life-changing money. You know, $2 million after tax is a nice chunk of change. Don't get me wrong. But I could probably go to state and play three years and maybe double that. With a new collective bargaining agreement that will come out in a couple of years, maybe I can play my way into a more lucrative contract. Well, then they move on. Then somebody calls me in the second round and says, hey, Steve, you're still available. Listen, we're willing to pay this and pay this. And so if we can't agree to terms, then I don't get drafted. It doesn't mean that I don't have first-round ability or second-round ability or third-round ability, whatever. It just means we couldn't come to terms. And there's only 20 rounds in the draft, so you can't have a dead round, especially in the top 10. It's not like it was when you had a 40-round draft when you could kind of take some chances and gamble and then come back later and pay out a slot and that kind of stuff. It's a much different dynamic today. So many of these deals are done ahead of time. So when a guy is drafted, especially in top 10 rounds, there is some assurances that he is going to sign. It's very rare that that happened these days. That was the situation with Dakota Jordan. I don't know the particulars or the amounts, but he had a number in mind that he had to have, and teams weren't prepared to hit that number. And he had kind of told school teams, I'm going to go to school. And so now he's headed to Mississippi State. Got to be a real candidate to play in the outfield. I don't know how much he plays as a freshman. This guy's a very talented guy. David Mershon, a shortstop out of Eastside High School in South Carolina. We don't talk about him a lot. He's a switch-hitting shortstop. And he's kind of been overshadowed in this class because of Jet. People are like, well, Jet's a shortstop of the future. Well, you know, David Mershon is a really good player. David got some calls from some teams. And says, you know what, I'm going to go to school. And I think it's important that that's, you know, that sometimes I think is kind of forgotten. 
is there some other guys in this class that maybe perhaps aren't getting the same media attention by the MLB draft experts? And you forget that David Mershon's a guy that's a real dude. A real dude. And again, I got it. It's a switch hitting type guy. And so I think it's important to kind of understand a lot of these guys that maybe you're unfamiliar with. I mean, how many of you guys knew who Rowdy Jordan was come out of high school? We knew who Tanner Allen was, but what do we really know about Rowdy? Not much. Not much at all. But uh, David Marshawn was a guy, too, that, um, you know, again, a switch hitting guy, toolsy, you know. Uh, not the biggest guy. You know, he's like your typical middle infield around 5'9 or so, 175 pounds. Those to the right-hand side. He was an All-American, preseason All-American by Rawlings. Perfect games list. And, um, you know, this is a guy that's a dude. Had several offers from the SEC and the SEC. A guy that's going to do a really good thing at Mississippi State. So that's a name, again, maybe you're not quite as familiar with that – had the opportunity to go, but decided to stay. All right, uh, Bradley Lofton, and this is one we need to talk about here. So Bradley Lofton, and I have gotten this rundown. I haven't spoken to Bradley directly about this, but I've spoken to other people in the industry enough that I've heard it enough from people that aren't connected to each other to believe there is validity to this. I shared this on Gene's page last night. So, I was told about a month ago that he was going to be offered a million bucks, but they didn't think he'd take it. Going to be offered a million bucks. And then the talk was he wants maybe a million and a half. And then as we got closer to the draft, I heard he wants two million. And then I was told Sunday that he wants not just two million, he wants two million after taxes, which is basically top ten money. Now, there may have been a team out there that's willing to offer that, but the consensus is this is a kid that had a first or second round type grade by a lot of schools, a lot of, a lot of programs out there. A left-hander that throws low to mid-90s with a three-pitch mix. Guys, I'm going to be honest with you. This is like getting Chris Stratton to come to school. Now, JT Ginn obviously turned down you know, millions of dollars. They had a check across the table from him. Turned it down, came up here, got a chance to go pitch in Omaha, had Tommy John surgery, and then signed for him, got more money by coming to state. And listen, he was kind of a proven commodity, even though he was a little bit nicked up when he was here. I mean, guy was phenomenal for us. Bradley is in that same league. Maybe he's not quite as accomplished as JT. You know, JT was a shortstop by trade in high school, but you know, JT was kind of a proven guy. Bradley is kind of cut from the same cloth from a powerhouse program like DeSoto Central. This is a guy the scouts tell me is good enough to pitch on Sundays at Mississippi State and then in year two be a Friday night guy. I mean, that's how good he is. Now, Kate Smith may have a little something to say about that. You know, Kate Smith may be the guy that's maybe a year ahead of him, right? But the reality of it is we talk about needing an influx of talent, especially on the pitching end. We're getting it. And Bradley Lofton, I had multiple scouts tell me he is the key to Mississippi State's recruiting class. He goes undrafted because he was unsignable. It's not that he didn't have first or second-rate talent. He just wasn't willing to sign for what they're willing to offer. 
So, and I said this last night too, when you look at the, when you look out there next year at Dirty Noble Field and that kid's on the rubber, it's not because he has to be. It's because he chose to be. He wanted to be a Bulldog. He wanted to be a part of this. He wanted to have a chance to go to Omaha and turn his program around. And that is absolutely deserving of your respect. I think it's important to understand that. This is a guy that chose Mississippi State over seven figures. You can say, Steve, it couldn't have been my kid. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it probably could have been my kid. It's a little different deal. You say, well, you know, Steve, I mean, it gives you a head start in life. It does. But these are memories you can't make anywhere else. There are a lot of people that grow up and their dream is to play at Mississippi State. I remember, you know, JT Ginn is a good example of that. You know, JT is a guy that uh, wanted to play at Mississippi State and have a chance to go pitch in Omaha. JT's not alone. There are a lot of guys, especially after we've won the NAFL championship, people realize, hey, this could really happen for me. So it makes Mississippi State a more attractive destination. And so that's a factor in all that Bradley Lofton stuff as well. Now, got some other guys too. You know, other guys got some calls. But um, I think it's also interesting, Colby Holcomb. 6'7", 220-pounder. That's another dude right there. That's another guy that already had a big number in mind. He's like, you know what? If they don't hit this number, I'm going to school. He's already on campus. He's another guy that wanted first-round money. People weren't quite ready to give it to him. And you never know. I mean, all it takes is one franchise to fall in love with a kid. But uh, this is a guy, again, early-round talent, headed to Mississippi State. And he'll be draft eligible, again, very, very quickly. But if we get a big year out of him, I think we've really accomplished something. Again, he played at Northeast Mississippi Community College. He was very lightly recruited at a high school. His uh, summer team coach got the job at Northeast as a pitching coach. He followed him there. And he was the Mississippi Junior College Pitcher of the Year. That guy can really, really bring it. So he's here. And it's exciting. And, again, there were other guys, too. You know, Jerron Jalosa Genti, you know, he was drafted in the 18th round. Now, so what does that mean, kind of moving forward? Well, everybody else that went undrafted, you know, unless they want to go sign an, a, an undrafted free agent deal, <laughs> they're going to school, and nobody would do that, right? I mean, it just doesn't make any sense for a high school kid to go do that. The reality of it is, is that Gerangelo is basically one of these kind of follow-for-now guys. If you go back and look in the last, I don't know, two or three rounds of the draft, you basically what has what amounts to a punt. So you can't just skip your pick. You have to pick a player. And there are some guys out there that perhaps franchise-wise, maybe they don't have the roster spots without waving somebody to sign all 20 picks. And so you take some guys late, kind of throw them out there just to kind of move the thing along, basically like a skip. And that's kind of what you got with Gerangelo. Drafted in the 18th round, he's another guy that wants seven figures or thereabouts. He's not going to get that as an 18th rounder. Matter of fact, the, the biggest bonus in the modern era, like last year, you had a kid in the 18th round last year signed for 575. I don't think Gerangelo is willing to do that. And it could make it interesting. But since they have his draft rights, they can continue to continue to negotiate with him up into the month of August. I don't think he goes. I'm pretty confident he's going to stay. Uh, Chris Lamonis has kind of expressed that as well. It looks like, again, Jet Williams, the only guy we're going to lose. And there's some, some of our peers around us that ranked in the top ten got absolutely hammered in the draft. 
So when we recalibrate there, again, state's going to move up. But how many years if we, you know, you go out and sign a top 10 class and then you lose, you know, the marquee guys in your class? Well, that just hadn't happened for us. And, like, I was, again, I was so befuddled yesterday. I log on these Facebook groups and I'm thinking, hey, you know, people are going to be overjoyed. I think a lot of it's people just don't understand the process. Guys, yesterday was one of the biggest days that Mississippi State has had as a baseball program since we won the NAFL championship. And that's not hyperbole. That is the reality of it. The fact that we were able to navigate through this draft and only lose the one guy who was a surefire first-rounder, that's as big a win as we've had since we beat Vanderbilt in Omaha because we wanted an influx of talent. I mean, how many times have we said it on the show last year? We had some guys on this roster that were not good enough to play here. And that sounds mean-spirited. I just just me shooting you straight. We had some guys on this roster that weren't good enough to play here. Now, they didn't sign themselves. We had some recruiting misses. We misevaluated some guys. We had a bunch of guys in 2020 that we signed basically on film. And we weren't alone in that. Everybody was dealing with the same circumstance. We took some chances on some guys and didn't work out for us. And now most of those guys are gone. And so I'm not passing that out as an indictment on any particular player. If I had the opportunity to go play at Mississippi State, I would. Even if I wasn't good enough, even if my heart, I'm like, I don't know if I can go up there and compete. I would say, you know what, I'm going to bet on myself. And those coaches think I'm good enough to go play. I'm going to go play. It doesn't work out, I'll transfer. Right? But we kind of got to the end of a talent cycle, and we didn't have enough gas left in the tank to kind of pick things up and run with it. This is a more typical Mississippi State recruiting class. In fact, this is going to be one of the better recruiting classes probably since uh, – you know, when we signed T.A. and Rowdy and all those guys, we had some really, really exciting position players in that group. You know, Josh Hatcher was part of that thing, too. Some big-time players. So we needed an influx of talent. We're getting that. And then you begin to look at the pitching aspect of it. I mean, what if we had just had two average bullpen arms last year down the stretch? We were so beat up, right? Having to throw some young guys out there that just couldn't handle it, you know? What if we had two? Just two. How many games you win? You just close out three or four games, all of a sudden you're in the NCAA tournament. And who knows what happens? That's the difference in winning and losing. What if you had one more, one more batter, one more guy that had a little clutch to him? I mean, again, we go back to this old Miss NAFL championship thing. And listen, they earned, they earned it. No doubts about it. Did they have a great regular season? They absolutely did not. They got hot at the right time. We've seen it happen a million times before right? It's not about who's the best team in the regular season. It's about the best team in the tournament. They were the best team in the tournament, last team standing. They swept the finals. They're NAFL champions. And we won two out of three from them in their ballpark. And the guy that beat us, DeLucci, ended up being the most outstanding player to College World Series, right? But that, after that weekend, did you believe Ole Miss was better than us? I mean, if I had told you Ole Miss is going to go on to win an Eiffel championship at that point, you'd lost your mind. They got better down the stretch. We got worse. They found some juice with Hunter Elliott. And Delucia, of course, was just kind of finding his groove. Got some guys healthy. And they wouldn't want it. And they deserve it. No sour grapes here. They absolutely deserved it. Some would say, well, they didn't deserve to be in the tournament, Steve. That's debatable. 
I think you got to get non-SEC teams in and say, well, you're going to let NC State in over them. Well, then you're going to give the ACC 10 and the SEC 8. No, I don't think I'm going to do that. I may let NC State in over Grand Canyon, but in my mind, I think NC State and Ole Miss both should have been in. When you remove your own emotion from it and you look at the numbers, the numbers suggest Ole Miss should have been in. But, again, I go back to what if we had just had two bullpen arms? Not even great. Not Landon Sims, not Preston Johnson. Just two guys that go out there and consistently throw strikes. How much difference does that paint your season? Because, And I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what anybody does. There was some give up in that squad, man. We were so ready to get done. I mean, it's, I think we were embarrassed. You know, in the middle of it, you know, you want to believe the best about it, right? You want to tell yourself, hey, you know what? Still a lot of pride in the uniform. You say all the right things. And then it just seems like there was this self-fulfilling prophecy, right? It's like, oh, here we go again. Here we go again. We got to get up five runs because we know the bullpen's going to give up four. So... How much does that change the dynamic of your team? So now we go out and we sign this great recruiting class, and, um, and we're going to bring them to campus. And we're not done. We're not done with this recruiting class either. That's the important part of it. Final segment of the show brought to you by our friends at Portico. Brooks Bryan knows a thing or two about the MLB draft. He can tell you, too. If you, have, if you doubt me, contact Brooks. He'll tell you. What I'm telling you is the truth. Absolutely telling you the truth. I think it's important that we understand that as baseball fans. Learn all the nuances of the game, and then you can kind of celebrate days like yesterday because you understand how significant it is for our program to be able to bring this great class to our campus. Brooks part of a couple of good classes too, right, Brooks? Give Brooks a call today at 601-416-8075, 601-416-8075. He'll talk some baseball with you. But you're calling because you're ready to make the move to Starkville. You know, hey, Steve, I believe in this baseball program. I want to be there for all the midweek games. I want a place for my kids to come, spend a night, go to Davis Wade Stadium. We'll be in football season. Portico is your place to be. Very easy to find. You turn off 82 or on 12, like going towards campus. Very first ride is Pat Station Road, brings you to Portico. 1.1 miles away from the Mississippi State campus, within running distance, right? Or maybe walking distance, depending on how fast you walk. You get a two-bedroom, two-bath home, all the way up to a four-bedroom, four-bath home. Phase one completely sold out. Phase two under construction now. About ten houses being constructed. Two of those are already sold. Maybe three by now. And, uh, listen, it's a tough time right now in the housing industry. And uh, these folks are still pushing ahead, getting this project done. Shows how committed they are to making Starkville a better place to live, a better place to work. Maybe you've always dreamed of having a place in Starkville. Now's the time. Reach out to Brooks. He'll give you more information. If you're a real estate agent, if you've been shopping at Golden Triangle, they had mentioned Portico. Maybe it's time you ask why. If I was moving to Starkville, it's where I'd move. Know that about it. I'd love to be that close to campus, but it's the quiet side of campus, right? Close enough for convenience, but tucked away in a neighborhood where I've got a little privacy. Your neighbors are already living a good life. Come join us here in Starkville. Make Portico your next move. All right, final segment of the show. We're going to talk about the portal a little bit. That's about to get ramped up again. Of course, State loses transfer Bill Knight uh, from Mercer. He was a big addition. And uh, drafted by the Seattle Mariners, he will sign. Not much chance of him coming to school. 
and we wish him the best. I mean, and I think too, if you if you for him, you look at what R.J. Yeager did. R.J., a star at Mercer, didn't get drafted, came and played. Bill probably says, you know what? I got to take this chance right now. I got to make hay while the sun is shining. I can't run the risk of getting too old. What if I get injured, have a bad year next year? I got to go. I got to go. And what's the chances of me really moving up a whole lot in the draft and then, of course, losing uh, leverage when it comes to negotiating that signing bonus? So Bill's moving on. So uh, we got to go out and get an outfielder. I talked to Lamontis last night on the record. You can go to, if you're a Gene Spade subscriber, you can go read what Chris had to say. Uh, he was very happy with the results. But he says, you know what, hey, I'm, I'm going to sleep a little bit better tonight, but the work's not done. Mississippi State expected to bring in some official visitors this weekend. How about that? No names yet. We'll see how things go. It's a little different in baseball. People don't really publicize their recruitment the way they do in, say, football or basketball. But uh, the portal class, we had some guys like Amani Larry got some calls yesterday and, um, you know, just wasn't getting what they were offering. And uh, he's going to come to school. He is a guy that we do expect to be here for a year and then play his way into the draft. I think that's a guy that's going to do a, a big-time job. Uh, still, you know, Paul Skeen's still waiting on him. He is still out taking visits. He's back from Team USA Baseball. I believe he's at Arkansas now. And then he's going to take a visit to Oregon State. I've heard Vandy may be a possibility. Of course, LSU, Tennessee, everybody has been involved with this kid. This is a guy that's good. It changes the trajectory of your season, right? That guy's a weekend starter. Is he a Friday night guy? I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. But that guy gives you a big arm on the weekends. Changes a lot about your team. And really, in some respects, might even – his signing might determine the SEC West race. You know, between Arkansas, Louisiana, Mississippi, LSU, Mississippi State, whoever gets that guy is probably going to get more first-place votes in the West, right? That's how significant he is. Still feel like we're in a good place, but uh, still a lot of visits left to go. So what's left? Lamontis tells me, and you, on the record, probably would like to get another infielder, a guy that's got a little depth. I suspect it'll be maybe a middle infielder. Could be a guy that can slide over and play third. I don't think it's a first baseman. You know, a guy that can kind of come in and give you some juice. And kind of knowing that coming in, that's the thing that I – here's what I would kind of say about that. If I'm that guy, okay, which like, okay, they're bringing – second base is open, and they're bringing Lane Forsythe back at short – They've got Nate Chester, former Missouri player, signed. They've got Amani Larry from UNO signed. Okay, where am I going to fit? So you kind of got to go, no coming in. I'm going to have to go in there and compete for a job. They're not going to give it to me. It's not going to be like an R.J. Yeager, Scotty DeBrule situation where I'm just a plug-and-play guy. Right? Not to mention the whole kids coming in from Duke. And so probably going to get another guy out there, probably another infielder. You need another outfielder. Got to get a guy that's a right-handed bat with some pop. That gets an important aspect of this thing, too, because all of our power right now is from the left side. Ledbetter is a guy that, uh, you know, we're expecting some big things from. You know, Hunter Hines, left-handed. Luke Hancock, assuming he comes back, left-handed. Kellum Clark, left-handed. You know, so we got to have to find some power on the right side. So I expect there to be a right-handed outfielder to be – added to the portal class and then we got to get some pitching stuff of course we're all waiting on Paul Skeens everybody it's, it's like the, the lottery everybody's just kind of waiting around to see what he's going to do probably a week to 10 more days he'll make a decision could come at any time but we do expect him to take all of his visits before he does 
And then he's a very, very mature kid. He'll, he'll make a business-type decision, not based on NIL, but based on what's best to position him for the draft for next year. He's got potential to be a first, second-round pick next year. He guy's legitimate. In addition to that, we got to find a left-handed matchup guy. We have to. I mean, that's extremely important. We didn't have that this year. We thought we did at times, but it uh, didn't work out for us. We've got to go out there and get us a left-hander situational guy. So I would say a minimum of four players, a starter, left-handed reliever, left-handed reliever, reserve infielder, and potential starting outfielder. I think you got to get those four and then maybe another arm, maybe. After last year, can we have enough arms, right? So now everybody that wanted to be eligible to play next year had to be in the portal by July 1st unless they're a grad transfer. Grad transfers can go whenever they want to. So there were some guys that, are, that have already graduated, you know, three and four-year seniors, that there's probably about to be, as, as uh, Lamontis called it, another portal dump. Like it's fixing to be a whole bunch of new names now that the draft is over because a lot of these guys were probably thinking, you know, guys calling Luke Hancock. It's like, hey, you know, I think I'm a back end of the draft guy. So before I go do that and go to all this trouble and go through all this recruiting nonsense, let me see what the draft looks like, and then I'll make a decision. Now, in some ways, it's kind of a dangerous thing because there are, you know, so there's, there's an, an unlimited number of players, it seems, and a limited number of spots. So you might want to stay where you are and kind of play with your team. That's what we hope Luke Hancock does. But there are many others. They're like, you know what, hey, I want to go play my final year somewhere else and have a chance to chase Omaha or play in these big stadiums, play in the best of college baseball. So there are some names out there that maybe aren't public yet of guys that are going to be prospects. And, again, I think it's four to five more guys. I would say the over-under is four. And I think, a lot, again, a lot of this is going to depend on pitching. I like our lineup, but, again, I would feel a whole lot better if we had another right-handed power bat. I thought we had that with Bill Knight. You lose him, okay? But then we look at this LSU class, and that's one of the things that I look at. You know, I share with you guys on the show, let's see what that portal class looks like after the draft. Well, it doesn't look quite as intimidating. Yes, they still have Tommy Tanks. Who is the stud? There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. They've got Christian Little. I'm not a fan. He had two years where he struggled at Vanderbilt. Then, listen, he may get down there and catch lightning in Baton Rouge. Who knows? I mean, they may put a voodoo curse on him, and next thing you know, he's, he, he finds everything he needs. Maybe. But Pineda, the shortstop from Baylor, that, you know, State was on him for a little while, too, about potentially maybe playing second or playing third. You know, State really didn't push him. He ends up going to LSU. He's signing with the Royals. There's T-break, you know, he, he the, the stud, pitcher, right? They get him, and everybody's like, oh, yeah, he's going to come to school. Nope, he's signing. Carter Young from Vanderbilt, he's drafted, and if he's smart, he'll sign too. Carter Young is kind of in the Jackson Fristo situation too. Another bad year, the guy's going to go undrafted. Yeah, I must went undrafted this year, 17th round. So now all of a sudden that LSU portal class didn't look so good. Now, that's it. It ain't over, kind of like ours. You know, they're still chasing Skeens, too. They get Skeens, I think we can all say, you know what, hey, those guys got a leg up. Arkansas gets them, you feel the same way. 
We get them. I think we can make an argument it's the best portal class in the country. I think we've done a really good job. But again, there are going to be a lot of transactions, shall we say, between now and the beginning of fall practice, and the beginning of the fall semester. I think it's probably. I think next week is going to be really, really busy. I think there are going to be a lot of kids on the road this weekend taking them visits. There'll be some decisions next week, and I think this game of musical chairs is going to go get started really, really quickly and going to be very, very active. And so if, if you're a member of Gene's page, you know, we, we kind of keep the conversation rolling over on the baseball forum too, even though we're getting ready for football because this portal recruiting thing has kind of revolutionized recruiting coverage of baseball. So we're going to be discussing kind of the ins and outs, and uh, we've got some folks over there that are very knowledgeable. We've got a lot of people, got a lot of connections in college baseball and pro baseball world that uh, share their thoughts. And so, and I'm, I'm a college baseball nerd too. I don't maybe have the technical knowledge many of those guys have, but I've seen a lot of these kids play. And so when a new name comes along, inevitably there is somebody on our forum that has seen them play. And so we're very fortunate to have that network of people that can kind of share some information about them. I think it's very, very important. I think it's the lifeblood of our businesses. It's not just the information we provide. It's the, it's the community that we've built over the years. You have so many people that are very knowledgeable about things, and um, they add a lot to the discussion there. And so it's going to be a sprint to the finish. Now, one of the things that I want to speak about before we kind of move forward here and kind of wrap up the show we're Mississippi State baseball. Now, there are some other sports that a lot of people kind of consider us and also ran. Not in baseball. Now, our friends at the Bulldog Initiative, and if you haven't joined yet, let me encourage you to do so. Go to bulldoginitiative.com and make some monthly payments. Don't have to be anything significant. We'd love for it to be significant, but do the best you can. They're doing some good work for football, baseball, uh, and basketball. But let's be honest. I mean, men's college basketball recruiting, it's an animal in and to itself because you know, AAU basketball and everything, you know, you've seen all the Nike and Adidas stuff over the years. I mean, it's, it, it has not been pretty. But we've got some people kind of leading the charge, and you can be a part of that, again, by joining the Bulldog Initiative. But, you know, when it comes to the baseball side of things, we don't have to go out there and pretend to be somebody we're not because, again, we're Mississippi State baseball. We have the greatest college baseball facility in the country. We have the greatest fan base in the country. We have a NAFL championship to our credit. We've been to Omaha a dozen times. We've been three of the last four years. And so – Mississippi State is a great place to play. It's a great place to have your name associated with. That's one thing that I remember John Cohen told me when I interviewed him for Dogpile. Is he said, you know what, if you want to work in baseball, if you want to be involved in college athletics on the baseball side, having Mississippi State on your resume means something. There are a lot of people that go play college baseball. Not everybody plays it at the highest level. We do. And so as a result of that, we are an attractive destination. Not just because of the fact that we got some local places that are giving you some gift certificates as part of an NIL deal for some social media postings. We are a premium program in all of college baseball. We're not alone, but I, I submit to you we're probably one of the top dozen programs in America historically. 
not just in recent years, but historically, since we started playing in 1885. We've always been good at baseball. We have a tradition of baseball. Players understand that. And I'll be honest with you, if there's a guy out there that's picking a school because of an NIL deal, I don't know that, I don't know that he fits here. I don't know that he fits our culture. I don't know we want that guy. I don't know that we want a me guy on our team. People got to understand nothing's bigger than the M over S. And, you, know, you, you look at that LSU baseball logo too. I mean, you know, there is a tradition, there is pride with that. There are a lot of programs around the country that have some of that, not as many as we do in football. But there is a unique tradition to some college baseball programs. And so I look at some of these new money programs like, like Tennessee. You know what? There's some guys out there that, you know, they're going to respond to Tony Vitello's style of coaching. Tony is a rah-rah guy, kind of get in your face. He recruits at his own image. But there's some other guys out there that are a little more cerebral, quite like Cameron James, Luke Hancock. They would have never been able to play for Tony. They just wouldn't. And, and again, that's not an indictment on either side. It's just not a good fit. You know, Landon Sims probably could play with Tony Vitello. Justin Foscue, probably. Josh Hatcher, no. Jake Mangum, probably could. Tanner Allen, I don't know. I don't know how T.A. would respond to all that. And so different strokes for different folks, not to say that one's better than the other. But we're Mississippi State, and that means something. And so if you're, you know, Paul Skeens, and all of a sudden you look back, okay, well, Mississippi State is, is regularly putting pitchers in the pros. You know, granted, some of the work's already been done. I mean, the guy's a known commodity. You come to a place like Mississippi State, you're going to do it, some, do it on the biggest stage in all college baseball. And so I don't worry about what's left in the portal. I don't worry about Chris Simonis and Jake Gotro and his ability to recruit. We had a bad year last year. There's no point in us, you know, gutting the program. And I think we have seen a very good response from your coaching staff. Getting this class to bed, convincing them that coming to college is the best thing for them and their futures, and then recruiting this portal as aggressively as they have. So I'm excited about what is to come. I think that, you know, I was worried. I'm not going to lie to you. I was like, oh, my gosh, we got this great class together. You know, what if we lose four or five guys off the top end? What if Lofton signs? What if Holcomb signs? What if Jordan signs? What if Highfield decides to go? And what are we going to do? You know, those guys are frontline SEC players and Major League Baseball prospects. And it's like, well, why don't come nobody ever decides – you know, to come back to school for us. Well, you know, a lot of our guys go ahead and tell teams, they don't draft me, I'm going to college. That's what Kellum Clark did. Kellum Clark was expected to go in the top five rounds, guys. And Kellum Clark's like, you know what, I'm going public with this. Don't draft me. I'm going to Mississippi State. I'm not going to sign. You know, we don't win an AFL championship without Kellum Clark playing as our DH in 2021. I was watching that Virginia game earlier today. Without Kellum Clark, we don't win it. It was a team effort. Obviously, he didn't carry us. But when his moment to shine came, he did. And so, and we celebrate that because we forget, oh, well, yeah, that's a big deal. You know, he pulled out right before the draft. You've had multiple guys do it this year. It's just nobody's made a big deal about it. And so I'm making a big deal about it now. And so when I sit here and tell you that yesterday was huge for this baseball program, I say that with conviction and authority.
And it's an absolute amazing class. And we've been able to bring this class to campus with one exception. And a guy that we knew was a long shot at best. You sign him and hope for the best, didn't work out. But it's not like he was the only shortstop we had in the class. It's not like we got to have a plug and play shortstop this year anyway. I'm excited about the class. I'm excited for our Bulldogs that have been signed. And again, you know, Casey may come back. And again, I believe it's 60 40 that he's back. And we'll see how things progress. But this is not a time to feel bad. You know, we should feel happy for our young men that have come through our program and now are able to go chase their Major League Baseball dreams. And we're a part of their story. We should not selfishly want any player to come back and get paid peanuts next year as a signing bonus. We want players to come here, play three years, win championships, and go pro. That's what we want. We don't want guys to come here for four years because we're scared that we can't recruit behind them. We're Mississippi State. We don't have to beg guys to come play for us. We're recruiting them on the national elite. And so celebrate today that your Bulldog coaching staff and your Bulldog class have kind of linked together and navigated through a very difficult process and come out the other side of it and going to be much better for it as a program because these young men are going to come to our campus, put on our uniform, and they're going to play at a high level. One of the more exciting signing classes that we've had in recent years. We, we, we hired Chris Simonis because he was a relentless recruiter, right? You got Scott Foxhall because he's a great developer of pitchers and people are like, but Steve, last year we struggled with pitching. Yeah, we lost four guys for the year, okay? Not a team in the country could lose four of their frontline guys and navigate through that season without, without issue, right? But look at how many dudes he's putting in the league. Look at how many dudes, even guys that come here that maybe don't perform at the level we hope, people like the path of their development, we put them in the league. Let's get out of here. We'll be back on Friday. We'll talk about SEC media days, anything we learn, which I'm sure won't be a whole lot, but we'll, we'll go over some of that. And of note, too, we'll uh, talk about these all SEC teams. I've already told you we're not going to have many guys on team. Not. We should. Should have a couple guys on defense. But we're not. If you hadn't done so, go to dogpilethebook.com. The uh, new, new printing of Dogpile is now available for you. While you're there, you can pick up copies of Flim Flam, Stark Villains, and Alpha Dogs. And again, th- th- once they're gone, they're gone for a long time. Blooms Voliander available through Amazon, booksamillion.com, barnesandnoble.com, and Stark Villains gear, always available at starkvillains.com. Grab yourself some Stark Villain gear uh, while you're there. Buy something for yourself. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.